This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. Joining us tonight from the Bills Inner Circle is one of the most recognizable fans in uh, Buffalo's history, Mr. Ezra Castro. Also known as Pancho Villa. <laughs> he is currently, well, look, this past week he's been battling, he had chemotherapy, he's been battling cancer, and, but this is not to dampen his spirit and his love for the game and his bills. Wow. That's Ezra. So nice. Pancho Villa. Can you please join us on stage? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That is awesome. Fred Jackson and Andre Reed. What a moment. That is awesome. All right, everyone. What's up? Welcome to the Moran Analytics Podcast. Today is Friday, August 3rd, 2018. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Dude, coming up on today's show... I got a phenomenal super fan. I'm going to tell you what, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, I guarantee you know who he is. You probably know who he is, even if you're not a Bills fan at this point. I will be joined by Pancho Bella, possibly the most famous Buffalo Bills fan in the world right now. We talk about a ton of stuff from him growing up in Texas. No Buffalo connection whatsoever. We talk about how he became a Bills fan. We talk about his life growing up in Texas. We talk about his family, his beautiful family. We talk about what his reactions were when he found out that he had cancer, what type of cancer he has, how it happened, how the treatments have been going. We talk about the NFL draft, of course, and everything changed for him. And he became quite literally a household name. We talk about him being at training camp recently and how the guy was probably a bigger celebrity there than most of the players. It was just absolutely phenomenal. Also, there's a couple things at least. You're going to learn about Ponchabilla that I guarantee you, you did not know unless you listen to this episode. It's really good. And frankly, you know what? Usually I sit here and I blabber on for a couple minutes about a variety of things before I get into the interview. But you know what? Not today. Today's Friday. No gimmicks. No small talk. Let's just get right down to it because this is a nice, long, wide-ranging interview. Here it is. Here's my interview with Buffalo Bills super fan and now a celebrity, Pancho Villa. 
Okay, my guest today has become one of the most recognizable and popular Buffalo Bills fans in the world, and I mean that quite literally. While battling cancer, he won the hearts of Bills fans, and fans everywhere for that matter, and at the NFL draft, that moment happened when he was called up to the stage by Andre Reid to announce a Bills draft pick. He was at training camp last week at St. John's Fisher, where not surprisingly, he was as big an attraction to fans as most of the players. Of course, I'm talking about Ezra Castro, more affectionately known to fans as Pancho Villa. Dude, what is going on? It is a pleasure to finally get to have you on this podcast. How are you feeling? Good. I'm feeling good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good. It's a, it's a rest week on my treatments and I am pumped up and feeling pretty good. That's awesome. That's always great news to hear stuff like that. I'll tell you what, Pacho, I want to go back to the beginning and we'll kind of work our way up to, to the present. I, that's kind of like the format I have with my guests. Now, you were born in El Paso, Texas, and you've lived in Dallas now for nearly two decades. So you're a lifelong Texas guy. Now, you have no direct connection to Buffalo or even the state of New York for that matter. Now, I'm sure you've been asked this many times, but for the sake of this podcast and people are probably going to hear your story for the first time. I got to ask it again. How in the world did you ever become a Buffalo Bills fan? <laughs> oh, and everything you just said is so true. Uh, I've been a Texan <laughs> my whole life. No relationship to Buffalo. The only relation I had is I, I did eat a lot of wings growing up. Obviously, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, no relationship to New York um, or Buffalo, the city of Buffalo. Um, I became a Bills fan uh, young at a young age. I um, started playing uh, Pee Wee football, and my dad. Uh, I'm, I'm the one of four sons, and I'm the only one that played football. And he said, "You know, you, you got to learn your position. You got to watch the game now. So you got to choose a team here to follow." And um, you know, here I am, six, seven year old. Like, okay, what are the team options here? And uh, of course, my dad, being a big Dallas Cowboy fan, um, wanted me to be a Cowboy fan. But I was like, no, you know, my older brother's already a Cowboy fan. I don't, <laughs> don't want to have to deal with that. And so I, I sort of, um, funny story, I, I, I grew up about 100 yards from the border of Mexico. And every morning when my dad would drop me off at school, I would see the Mexican flag. And I told him, I want a team that has the red, white, and green. And there was no team in the NFL that has those three colors. Right. So I ended up going with um, the American colors, red, white, and blue. And, you know, my dad tossed out um, some names, the Giants, the Bills, and the Patriots. And um, I, I immediately knocked out the Giants. Uh, I, the NY on the helmet wasn't working. And I didn't like the Patriots logo either. So I ended up choosing the bills. I mean, the charging Buffalo, you know, it just attracted to me. And I said, I, I love it, you know, and, you know, my dad said, do you know where New York is? I said, nope, I don't care. That's a team I want to follow. And, um, been a fan since about 1986. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and, um, I, again, I was a young kid, you know, and, and of course the nineties came around and the Super Bowls, uh, came around and, I was so hyped because, you know, I'm a young teenager now and my team's in the Super Bowl. And, you know, here we are, four years of uh, of Super Bowl losses that, you know, I had to endure and I made it through. And I'm uh, here I am still cheering them on. 
so I, I'm in it for life now. Uh, but that's that's pretty much how I became a Bills fan, and my dad uh, gladly accepted it, and he was real supportive of it. Uh, as a matter of fact, he used to take me to the local Bills uh, bar down in El Paso, where there were just a few Bills fans that would watch the game, and he'd sit there for about half the game with me, and then uh, we'd end up leaving the game. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty much a summary of how I became a Buffalo Bills fan in the mid '80s. Well, there's two things that I really take away from that. Number one, I guess the logo meant a lot because, you know, had the Patriots had a cooler logo, we might be talking to Pancho Patriot at this time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they had a cooler logo, you're right. Yeah, I could have been a, a five-time champion yeah, right now. <laughs> exactly. You know, rub it into my brother's faces. Yeah. <laughs> there's the other thing I like but, about, about the, the situation and how you became a fan as well. I like the fact that it was like 1986 when you became a fan. You kind of got in on the ground level because I'm going to tell you, I remember this firsthand. I'm a couple years older than you, but we're roughly, you know, we're around the same era anyway. But then 1984 right. and 85, you picked the right year to become a Bills fan, man, because those teams were 2-14 and 14 both years. They were 2-14 and 14 the two mm-hmm. years before you started becoming a fan. So you kind of got in on that ground level. You weren't a bandwagon hopper. You didn't jump on the team once no. they became great or already were going to Super Bowls. Much respect to you for that. Yeah, and I, I remember my dad telling me, too, that um, I remember the day when my dad said, hey, there's this guy named Jim Kelly who's going to come play for the Bills. And uh, I was like, he's going to be the quarterback. It's awesome. Cool. I hope he does good, you know? Yeah. And hence, you know, Kelly's my fav- my favorite all-time Bills uh, of all time. Um so you're right. It was right at that that time where you know um, it was like the perfect timing to just start you know circling the wagons with them. And um, here I am, yeah, still you know, doing it. And it's pretty cool that your dad is as a Cowboys fan, but he allowed you to have your bills and he allowed them to become your team. You know, my dad, I I I can't imagine if he was a fan of a different team he probably would have forced me to like that team and jammed them down my throat my whole (laughs) life until it became second issue you know what i mean so it's pretty cool that your dad let you have buffalo right again i'm the the i'm the third born son so my my first oldest brother he was pretty much screwed i mean he he's a cowboys fan now and (laughs) you know he had no choice yeah i mean my dad just raised him a cowboys fan and then my second uh oldest uh is a denver broncos fan uh, and then me, I'm the the Bills fan, and my youngest brother, he sort of had this good relationship with my Broncos brother, and they both follow the Broncos now, and they're pretty hardcore as well. So you're the um, only Bills so, fan yeah, in the family. Um, the only Bills fan in the family, but I tell you what, they they all root, you know, second team now for the Bills. Um, now they they do they they've grown a, a a huge love for the organization, you know. Uh, with everything that's been going on. So, yeah. That's really cool. You know what? Forget the Bills and the Cowboys. You know, in any specific team for a second, it sounds like football's been a very important part of your life ever since being a little kid. Yeah, it has. Um, I was the only one that played football from six years old up until the end of high school. I mean, you know, I'm I'm Hispanic. We don't grow big, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I knew that my last game in, in high school was going to be that. That's it. There's no more football life after this. So, um, but yeah, I mean, football just, it, it taught me so many life lessons. I had a great high school football coach who was really good at, you know, uh, getting the best out of us and teaching us just life lessons of, 
you know, teamwork, um, you know, covering the guy next to you, getting his back, you know, protecting your, your teammates, um, you know, um, supporting each other. Uh, you know, the, the big famous, there's no I in team, you know, was really huge when I was in high school. Uh, so yeah, football has always been a huge part of my life that, um, it sort of, you know, led into the, you know, the character of Pancho Villa and, and how I, how I started all of that, that, you know, I just said, I, I feel like I got to take this to another level here, you know, and really show my fandomonium for the sport. And of course, for the bills, um, I've been watching football for a long time and, um, I, I love the sports, my favorite sport. And, um, you know, I, I don't foresee any time in the future that I'm going to stop watching it at all or supporting it. So, um, yeah, football. Being yeah. from Texas, you know, unless you're from Texas, you probably can't understand it. Explain to people that is listening, how big is high school football in Texas? I mean, it's like religion down there. Oh, Friday night lights. I mean, yeah, there's, there's teams here in the Dallas Fort Worth area that have their own um, pro shop, high school wow. pro shops. Yeah, uh, yeah, there is. There really is, and it's amazing. And you can actually even become season ticket holders for some of the local high schools in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Wow, uh, there's some in Houston too. That I know it's it's amazing. Like, why would you be a season ticket holder for a high school football game, right? <laughs> um, but you you buy seats and you know you have that seat it's yours for the year and like i said there's pro shops and um there's always some type of a a camp going on here locally um just you know friday nights the the bands the the obviously the the players that you know come out of dfw into the college and then hitting into the pros just always been such a, a a big impact for high school football and um it's it's fun on friday nights you, you can't go to one stadium and not catch a good game because uh, they're all real competitive games big big high school kids on the field and you you pretty much see the future you know of, of football you know right here in dfw um i have been to some games in houston not many high school games but um same down there um that's probably the next biggest to Dallas Fort Worth is Houston where all the big players come out of. But, uh, yeah, Friday night lights. I mean, that's, there's been movies made about it. If you recall Odessa Permian, how they used to just dominate the whole sure. state and, uh, and Midland, Midland, Texas used to also dominate. So, uh, those are some big boys, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm glad I stopped playing my senior year because there's no way I would have been able to compete against <laughs> any of those kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm just way too. I'm only five six, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty small. What did you end yeah. up doing after high school? What did you do with yourself when you were done with high school? Uh, so when I was in, when I was done with high school, you know, I went to a little partying phase. Um, growing up in a border town, um, interesting fact: Pancho doesn't drink, so we would go to Mexico. And my friends would have a blast just drinking in Mexico. Obviously, the drinking age uh, is younger down there. And I was always the designated driver. Um, we'd go in my car. I'd make sure my friends had a good time. And I'd make sure they got home safe at night every night. Um, I did that, started college. Um, I actually wanted to be on the radio. And uh, that sort of just faded away. And uh, I ended up in mortuary school. 
uh, here in Dallas, and that's what brought me to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, was the Mortuary College, and um, that was in 2001. Uh, graduated college, and I've uh, been practicing mortuary funeral service for 17 years now. What got you interested in that? That's a fascinating field, and you don't talk to too many people who do that. So what got you interested in something right. like that? Well, um, funny story. I went to a wedding one day and I spoke to a guy to my left and uh, I wish I could remember his name and where he worked, but I, I missed the whole wedding. I spoke to this guy for four hours about the industry and I went home at two in the morning, got on dial up internet, looked up the college, looked up all the credentials you need to get in and everything. And I actually ended up ending it, ending up enrolling that morning, which was like at three thirty in the morning. And two months later, I was in mortuary school. I never worked at a funeral home. Uh, the most intriguing part of it was the actual preparation of bodies is what really intrigued me, the embalming part. And it was just something I was like, man, that's like a, a form of art that, you know, I could see myself doing. Um, I got a pretty good stomach, so it wasn't a matter of, you know, being scared to be around a, a right, body which is very important, like obviously. Sure. Right. Very important. Exactly. And, you know, it's like, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I want to, if there's anything, I want to be able to say I can embalm a body. And, uh, that's what got me into the business. Um, and before I knew it, I, I just grew a love for wanting to help families at the time of need, you know, the worst time of need. Sure. And, um, I mean, you, you gotta know how to speak to them at, I mean, at three, four in the morning, if they give you a call, you know, uh, obviously we can't schedule death and we get calls at all, all times of the day. Um, I don't know. I just, I knew I had it in me to be able to stay composed, how to emotionally separate myself from what I'm doing um, and where I'm at with the families and, uh, you know, just helping them out, making sure that, you know, the celebration of life is, is done correctly. There's, there's a lot of details that go into it. And, um, you know, that hug at the end of the services is what, what makes it all worth it. And, uh, I, I praise my, my embalming skills. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And so when the body looks good, everything else is going to go perfect. And, um, you was know, that a process it, it, for you? Just, was it a process for you, you know, learning to do that? And uh, not, not so much learning to do it, because of course that part's a process, but being more comfortable, you know, being able to comfort people and talk to them at, you know, literally the worst times of their life. That's a lot easier said than done. Was it a process for you learning is. to become comfortable doing that? It was, it was. And like I said, because I, I didn't go into the industry to talk to families. I went in there wanting to prep bodies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I'm in mortuary school and they say, okay, let's start talking about, you know, uh, state regulations that you have to tell families and how you're going to collect the funds, you know, that are going to be owed to you and merchandising and things like that. It, I sort of had to, you know, follow my boss and, you know, follow his lead for about a few months and learn how to really talk to families and make them feel comfortable and say the right things too. Um, it, it was, it was a very difficult process to learn. It, it's, it's not something that I think everybody can do. And, you know, you say one wrong thing, the family can easily just take it the opposite way and, and think of it bad. And, um, 
one really important thing is like when the phone rings, if you can, if you can talk to a family over the phone, more than likely they're going to choose your firm to hold the services. Right. If you lose them on the phone, you, you'll probably never hear back from them again. Cause they'll just call the next X, Y, Z funeral home. So it, it, it took a while to get those phone skills, you know, to be able to, you know, someone's calling and they're, they're panicking cause their, their, their grandma just passed away. And here you are, you're, you're telling them how much it's going to cost, what's involved. You're just telling them all these things. And on the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, wait, my grandma just died. That's more important than what you're telling me here. Sure. Um, so yeah, it was, it was the, my first year, my apprenticeship year was really hard getting to learn how to talk to these families, but now, I mean, I enjoy it. I I enjoy the the whole aspect of it. The embalm, well, I can't embalm anymore, um, doctor's orders, but I am still able to visit with families and and arrange the funerals and you know just help them make it a, a memorable experience and um, you know make the celebration you know what it's worth and what it's worth for the family of how they want to celebrate their loved one's life. Sure. I'm talking to Pancho Billa. Pancho, tell us about your girlfriend and the family that you've started. Oh, my girlfriend, she's she's amazing. Um, I actually went, uh, her name's Veronica, Veronica Borjon. And uh, I actually know her from El Paso. We grew up about six streets from each other. Uh, knew her throughout high school and everything. And she ended up moving to Dallas um, about 2004, 05. And we knew each other. So, you know, she reached out saying, Hey, you know, let's, let's all go out. Let's have a good time. And a few years passed and we ended up, you know, uh, getting together and, uh, we have two lovely children, Panchito and Panchita. And, uh, my son is six years old and I've got a daughter who's uh, two and a half. She'll be turning three here pretty soon. Um, you know, and, and we, we all live together here in Dallas and, uh, it's just, uh, it's just been great, you know, um, having a little family and being able to come home and there's someone to come home to, um, you know, she loves me dearly. She's Poncho's number one supporter. I mean, a lot of super fans can tell you that, you know, if you don't have that right woman or, or male, if you're a female super fan behind you and backing you up doing what you love doing, you know, it's just not going to work. Right. Um, it all starts at home. I mean, she, you know, training camp, you know, last week it was like, honey, if you want to go, just go, you've got the Southwest reward points, go, you know, you feel healthy, go, no questions asked, you know, um, it, it's, uh, I, I couldn't ask for a better partner, you know, to be with me in life. And, uh, and of course, she's she's like Wonder Woman, just taking care of me through all my treatments and all that. You know, uh, you know, it's pretty pretty hard on her that you know she has to to go through this with me. But she's been she's been a warrior with it, and uh, you know, handling the kids and taking care of them, making sure they're registered for school and you know, fed and all that good stuff that comes with it. And um, much much praise to her. So. She'll actually be going with me to the home opener uh, for the Bills game. Uh, you know, if my health continues to stay good and uh, nice. um, I don't have any treatment, she'll she'll be attending the game with me because she she wants to. She feels like she's a she's a Cowboys fan. I have to I gotta say that she's a Cowboys fan, and I won't let her be a Bills fan because that's how I met her as a Cowboys yeah, fan. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, 
you know, I'd say, hey, no, I want to keep the rivalry in the home. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> but uh, for sure, our kids are Bills fans. That's a guarantee. Both son and daughter are Bills fans, and uh, she's fine with that. Um, but uh, she, she's grown a huge love for the city of Buffalo, the Bills organization, and, you know, she just feels like she needs to be there to, you know, thank people in person, you know, for, for being there for me and supporting me and all the prayers and um, but yeah, that's, that's our family. You know, we, uh, you know, we love hanging out at the park with the kids and, um, you know, doing school activities, you know, taking the kids out, play video games, things like that. Um, she loves to cook. She's a great cook. Uh, I don't, I don't know how much, that why matters. I'm not any bigger than I already am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that matters. Great cook sure. And, uh, yeah, she can, she's getting the wings down. She's getting them down pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, much praise to her, and uh, you know we're we're just blessed with our our children. Now, when and how did you first find out that you had cancer? And when you did find out, what were your initial reactions like? How did you handle it? And mentally, I'm talking about initially. Right. Um, so it all started last year, and I was actually uh, in Atlanta for the Bills in Atlanta game um, in Atlanta, and I woke up and my left arm was just like straight up numb and tingling and it was, it was in pain. And I was like, man, why am I having this pain? And I thought I had a pinched nerve or a, you know, a disc or something problem on my spine or, you know, cause I, I was a really fit guy. I work out every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of put it up, put it aside, took some, you know, some painkillers, it went away. Uh, and then I was in New York in November for the bills at jets game. And I was at the statue of Liberty and I'll never forget it. And all of a sudden just my hand went completely numb and tingly and it hurt real bad. I mean, I'm talking, my whole hand was just in so much pain. Wow. And, uh, she said, you know, let's, let's get you to the hospital here in New York. And I was like, I ain't going to the hospital in New York. I mean, I was like, no, we're, we're one day away from going home. I was like, I don't want to be stuck in a hospital in New York. I have to cancel sure. flights and all of that, you know, and took some extra pain pills and, uh, and ended up coming home, went to visit my family doctor. He ordered an MRI and, um, called me back the next day and said, you know, I gotta, I gotta see you. We gotta talk. And, uh, the MRI revealed that I had a huge mass sitting on my C7 and T1 on my vertebrae wow. spine. And, uh, you know, um, he didn't, he told me it could possibly be cancer, but, you know, he was going to send me to a specialist. And, uh, oh gosh, you know, I mean, even just the word of it could be cancer. I mean, that's, it's terrifying. And I wish it on nobody, not even my worst enemy. And then, and I don't have any enemies. And if I ever did, I would, I don't wish those words on them. Um, you know, I saw the specialist and, you know, he ordered a biopsy. Um, well, he actually ordered a, a, a PET scan. Um, and they sent me to do that. And that's where the bad news really came in. They, they ended up finding several other similar lesions throughout my body. And, uh, did a biopsy and, you know, did the blood work that goes with that. And, uh, sure enough, um, you know, they, they told me I was diagnosed with cancer and, uh, they broke it down and they said, well, now we just, we got to find it, you know, where it's originating from. Um, but even the doctor was real honest with me. He said, you know, something that 
possibly started in your abdominal area should not be on your spine. Yeah. I mean, how does something get from there to, you know, to the back, you know? And, uh, so, you know, it, um, it just went, you know, when the oncologist actually told me, you know, they had cancer, it, I, I'll admit I was down for, you know, a minute or two. I mean, anybody's going to be naturally. down and, uh, yeah. naturally. Yeah. That's a natural, I mean, your, your whole life just goes through, you know, through your mind. I mean, my kids were in my mind. My girlfriend was in my mind. Uh, both my parents are still with us and they went through my mind and I mean, just everything work, you know, like, I mean, every, I got to get an oil change on my car went through my mind. I've got so much to do that you can't be telling me this right now. Right. Um, and you know, he just, uh, you know, after about two, three minutes of, you know, just a few tears here and there. And, you know, I just, um, I said, Hey doc, well, let's get to it. What do we got to do? What, what's the next step? You know, uh, um, I'm here and I, I'm here with you. And uh, I feel like God placed me to be here with you and I'm going to take your orders, whatever you tell me to do, you know? And, uh, sure enough, you know, I ended up getting diagnosed with, uh, it's, it's really long. It took me a mouthful. It took me a few days to get it, but it's a stage four metastatic adenocarcinoma of the biliary pancreatic. And, um, the funny thing is though, I know pancreas, you know, pancreatic cancer is not a good cancer, but my pancreas keeps coming back as very clean on all my CT scans that I've been having lately. So <clears throat> they still haven't really found the origination of where it started, but, um, it's pretty much spread out throughout my body. I've got lesions on my liver, lum lungs, and lymph nodes. Um, that is obviously suspecting through the lymph nodes is how I got to my spine. Um, uh, in the first process, he said, well, the first thing we got to do is take care of your spine because if your spine bone cracks, which I ended up having a fracture on one of my bones because it had eaten into my bone so much, it fractured one of my vertebrae bones. Um, they said, well, you, you got to have surgery. We got to get that mass cleaned up. We're going to replace two bones on your vertebrae. You're going to have 10 screws and a mesh holding your vertebrae together. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that, that's crazy surgery. And uh, it lasted about 10 hours, 10-hour 10 surgery. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that happened in December. And two days before the surgery is when I decided that, you know, I said, family supports the best. But I said, you know, Pancho has a good little following. And I said, I need to let my fans know, you know, I just, you know, it's something that, you know, Hey, I'm Pancho. I'm going to let them know what's going on. And, um, the more prayers, the the better. And that's when I made a post and a tweet. And I mean, man, it just, it blew up from there. And, um, but yeah, as far as the, the cancer, that, that's, that's pretty much a summary of how it all came down about. And, um, I'm glad to say now my spine is clean as of February through, uh, I did two weeks of radiation and that helped that. Um, so now I'm just taking care of the, the front part of me now, you know, the intestinal tract and all that with chemotherapy. And, uh, I just wrapped up number 12 and I'm, I'm due for August 6th for number 13, uh, treatments, uh, chemo treatment. Well, you know, Pancho, so, I'll tell you, man, we, you know, we grow up, our parents, they raise us to, uh, you know, treat each day as a blessing and never take anything for granted. And when in reality as kids or even young adults, we hear that and we in fact do take things for granted. When something like that happens, right. 
You know, something like this happens to another person that, you know, whether it's yourself or someone that you love, you really, truly understand what it's like to, and I'm sure you understand this better than anyone now, is you probably don't take anything for granted anymore. You don't take a day for granted, a moment, anything for granted. You know oh, what I mean? No. Yeah, no, I I mean, even, even being patient, some people, you know, are so impatient. I mean, I'm the most patient person now. I mean, it, it, little things like that, that you know, I used to get impatient for a while, but now it's like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm breathing. I'm here. Take as long as you want. <laughs> you know, I ain't got nowhere else to go. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. You take your time. Um, you know, it's a good point you say, cause I, I refer back to my parents, you know, and you think about everything your parents want to teach you, you know, you learn, you remind yourself about the yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, right. Learn to respect others. You know, you, I go into a clinic and these people are trying to save my life. I mean, you know, what, what more greater respect can you give them than, you know, being patient, giving them the respect they deserve and, you know, giving them hugs, giving them high fives when they do a good job. And, when they take good care of you and uh, you know, those are values that, you know, parents, you know, want to teach their kids. And it, it, it sort of reminded me of all that. You know, my dad always said, respect your elders. You know, I have so much respect for my doctor. I mean, he's really trying to, to, to heal me, you know, get me, you know, feeling good. Um, the nurses, they do an outstanding job when they take care of me. Uh, which by the way, they're almost Bill's fans. I almost have them all converted. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I go in with a poncho mask and I'm always, I wear it pretty much for most of the chemotherapy. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, just those, those little things, you know, um, you know, going back to my girlfriend, you know, those little things that I appreciate more that she does, you know, those little things that, you know, picking up the kids toys in the living room, you know, those little things that she just sure. does that it's like, Hey, thank you. I didn't have to bend down to do it. Cause she knows my back would hurt or, or my neck's not feeling good today or, or I'm just having a bad day, you know, sure. little things like that. I mean, you just, you, you learn to, to, you know, not take it for granted anymore. And, um, it, it, it's, I don't know. It, it's just, uh, Again, like I said, it's, uh, it goes back to the parenting that, you know, they want to bring you up with good good values and good morals. And it's a really eye-opener for me. It really was. Let's talk about the cool stuff now. This is where Pacho Villa became known a lot more than just Buffalo Bills fans. In February, back in February, the Buffalo Bills reached out to you about attending the NFL draft. For our listeners who don't yeah. know, tell the story of how that happened, how you ended up at the draft to begin with. So I'm the president of the Dallas-Fort Worth Bills Backers Club. Every major city in the U.S. has a Bills Backers fan club. And mm -hmm. I obviously run the Dallas-Fort Worth one. Um, and the draft being in Dallas, you know, they, again, I've already been diagnosed and everything. And uh, they reached out to me. They they got my phone number. Well, they have my phone number because I'm the president. It's on the website. and they reached out and said, Hey, the draft is in Dallas. We want to send you and a couple of the members to the draft, you know, tickets on us. And I was like, well, sign me up. You know, where where, where <laughs> yeah. do I sign here? I mean, right, no, right. no hesitation at all. And, uh, 
you know, they gave us uh, 50 tickets for the inner circle. And, um, I mean, we represented well, I believe. And, uh, sure. you know, it was a long process. I, uh, the funny thing is they, they said, uh, they called me on a Monday and they said, here's a problem. Pancho is that they call me Pancho is that you have to dis- distribute the tickets by Wednesday night. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, I got 700 members. How am I going to choose 50? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. And so uh, I, I took care of uh, a few people that, you know, I've been with the club for, for years and I'm talking more than 10 years, made sure to give them the opportunity. And then we also did a, a raffle within the group to, uh, to see who would get to win the other tickets. And it worked out just fine. Uh, but that's pretty much, you know, they, they just, straight up called me and said, we want to offer you these tickets. You can get t-shirts. Uh, you'll sit in your own bill section and you'll have someone there in charge of you guys representing, you know, the bills from the bills organization. And I said, we are there. Was it mentioned then about the, you know, the possibility the potential that you would end up on stage? Did you have any idea beforehand? <clears throat> well, you know, the hashtag ponchos pick, um, got started, uh, to the red pencil tailgate. You know, they started sure, that and yep. they said, we're going to get poncho on the stage. Let's do it. Let's, let's, you know, let's start a, a movement here. And when they called me the second time about, you know, Hey, we got your whole list. Thank you for doing it so quick. You know, we'll, we'll keep in touch. I just, uh, I was just like, I'm just going to ask. And I asked um, the gentleman I was talking to, his name was Nico. And I was like, Nico, uh, I was like, I'm sure you've seen this Poncho's pick, you know, the Bill's Monster's trying to get me up on stage. And he told me that it's an NFL production. The Bills have nothing to do with it. They All they do is pretty much send their draft personnel here mm-hmm. locally. And they have a war room in Buffalo. They have no say-so on who does what. And I was like, really? And he's like, He's like, nope, it's all predetermined. The NFL reaches out to us. Um, I mean, there was, he said, you know, chances of it happening are pretty slim. Apparently they're predetermined months in advance. And, you know, it's funny because he was so right. I don't know if you, you see like the, the SBs and the V Foundation Awards and all mm-hmm. that with Jim Kelly. Yeah. One of the bidding, one of the bidding items was announce a draft pick for your NFL team if you bid and you won that, that auction. And I was like, man, these things are predetermined. And so I was like, well, you know, so be it. But, uh, yeah, they, they pretty much told me that, uh, you know, chances of it happening were pretty slim. Someone would contact me if it would happen. And, you know, months went by, nothing ever came a bit of it. And I didn't want to bug them about it. You know, I didn't want to be the one bugging them. And, um, not until, the day, the second day of the draft, because everybody knows Goodell gets the first round. Right. He calls all those picks. Yeah. And so the second day, of course, the Bills traded away several picks for the second day. And we only had one pick on Friday mm-hmm. in the third round. And uh, I asked uh, Megan, the inner circle rep from the Bills, and about 30 minutes before our pick, and I said, I haven't heard anything have you heard anything about me possibly going up there and calling the pick? And she said, Pancho, there's no way it's not going to happen. They don't even know if Fred or, or Andre's going to call the pick. Cause you know, there's two of them back there. And so right. I said, Hey, that is, that is totally fine. I'm, there's no problem. I'm front row. I mean, I can't ask 
to be in a better place. I mean, I'm here with, you know, 49 other members of my club who I consider family. We're going to root for the Bills no matter what. I am totally fine with it. And, um, man, the rest is history. These two legends come out on the stage, and you know the rest of the story on how all that happened. And I, I was standing on my chair, and I can honestly tell you, I mean, I, I still don't remember if I walked or got carried or what <laughs> to the stage. And I know it, it just, it all happened so quick. And before I know it, I'm in front of Fred Jackson and Andre Reed on stage. And I turn around and there's, you know, about 30,000 people just staring at me. Well, I'm and, not just, you know, I'm not just saying this, Pancho. I'm not just saying this because you're on my podcast right now, which is really cool, but it was, you know, quite literally the highlight of the entire draft. I mean, I legitimately got chills watching and what had happened. I probably, you know, I had the TV with the the live TV where you can rewind it. I probably rewound that moment a dozen times. And I know a lot of other uh, people yeah. did too. You went from, you know, well-known in Buffalo Bill circles to basically everyone in the football world knew who you were. I mean, the emotion on your face, the raw emotion, the reaction on NFL Network from Rich Eisen and Mike Mayock, it was just... It was one. Oh, it was yeah. right up there as a Bills fan. I could tell you this as a Bills fan. It was right up there with on New Year's Eve this past year, the locker room when after they beat Miami and had to wait to see if they were going to make the oh, playoffs. Gosh, that yeah. moment and your right. moment at the draft, probably over these last seventeen years, have been the two most positive, defining moments for Buffalo Bills fans anywhere. What does that mean for you to be a part of something you know that's always going to be remembered in such a positive light? You know, Andre Reed messaged me the next day um, on Twitter, and he said, "We we set the standard. We raised the bar yeah, last night." Sure and, did. And he said, "I'm I'm I'm glad I was a part of it. I'm glad you were a part of it." You know, and he, he, I mean, he was so right. Um, it's very rare to you hardly ever see super fans up there. You see regular fans. Yeah, and not not to separate ourselves, but I mean, because some of those fans are longtime season ticket there holders. Is, but there's and, a difference, sure. you know. And yeah, I mean, but you know, those those fans get selected, mm-hmm. you know, to to be up there. That's pre-planned. Mine was just, you know, again, I didn't know. Right, they were spur of the call moment. Sure. And, yeah, yeah, spur of the moment. And I'll be honest, you know, for a few months before, and I was waiting for that call, and I, I sort of practiced it, like okay, you know, Pancho, don't go up there and make a fool of yourself. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't take go, advantage of the don't, microphone. Don't go up there and freeze. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Don't go up there and freeze. You know, if, if, if you get the call, you're going to need to, you know, you know, you want to do it right because you want to give that opportunity for fans in the future to have that same opportunity. And I hope I did. Um, and then that's exactly what I told Andre Reed. I said, I hope that this allows for other any type of fan to have that opportunity to experience what I just did last night. Yeah, and you'll be always connected to Harrison Phillips. That's the guy that you announced with the pick. Oh, I'm assuming he's instantly man. becoming one of your favorite players already. Oh yeah. I and mean, it was, I'll be honest. It was so hard to tell him that Kyle Williams was my favorite, but I said, but Hey, I don't know how much longer Kyle's going to be on the team, but you're right. You're next in line, man. Yeah. You're, yep. you're, you're it. I mean, you're my favorite player and you haven't even played one snap on the field for us. And, you know, 
I mean, it, it's me and you, brother, and he he's just, he's him and his family have embraced me and uh, much love to them. They, they've reached out to me and, you know, they want to plan dinner with me and all this. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's not planning dinner with me. It's me planning dinner with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm the one that's going to be, I'm, I'm, it's my honor to be around you. Not, you know, not me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, Harrison, uh, great guy. Um, real tall, big stocky guy. I think he's going to be good for our team and, and take some names this year for sure. But yeah, we've, we've built that relationship and he's, he's been really good to, you know, um, get back to me. Um, gave me a huge shout out on my birthday, you know, on Twitter and sent me a couple of, uh, signed items on his behalf. And, uh, yeah, it, it's everyone's, everyone's told me, you know, Hey, and everyone thinks of Harrison Phillips, they're going to think of Poncho and that's, that's going to go through his career with him. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's awesome. And I'm like, Hey, I I'll take it. I, I love it. Sure. Now this past week, Bill's training camp open and you were able to make it to St. John's Fisher for the first few days of camp. And it was crazy because you were probably the most popular person there. I mean, Brandon Bean and Kim Bagula <laughs> come right up to you to start chatting. Several others oh, fans are out there asking for autographs, taking selfies with you and stuff like that. How does it feel to have this newfound celebrity status? Like, how has that been for you as a man, you know, to have people to feel that love cancer or no cancer, all that stuff aside, just the right. popularity and the love that people have for you. How does that make you feel? Oh man. It, it I tell you, it makes me feel, um, it makes me feel great inside. It, it's lit a fire in me it, 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 and it's just burning in me and it just pumps me up and, and I'm getting excited right now. Just, you know, thinking of reminiscing those days again, I'm getting excited. Uh, hearing it, it makes yeah. me feel good. Sure. Yeah, and uh, it it's. I'm gonna. I want to say that it's nothing that I asked for. I didn't, you know. I don't go ask like, hey, I, I want to meet the Pagulas. I want to meet right. Bean. You know, it's 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 just something that's being offered to me. And when someone gives something to you and you accept it, I mean, that's it feels so good. And I've given so much to this organization. Um, and charities and things like that, that I, I feel like it's balancing out now and, it, and it's coming together. Um, but yeah, it, it makes me feel so good that, um, you know, organization cares, you know, enough about me, but they also care about this, this Bill's mafia movement that's going right now. They, the, you know, talking to Kim and Terry, you know, they, they say, we love our fan base. And those were the exact words. We love our fan base. And I said, if you love them, I, I love them to death, you know, cause look what they've done for me. And they both agreed, you know, they both said, you know, I, we've never seen a fan base, you know, support a fan. It's usually you're just supporting a player yeah. or a team, yep. but someone supporting a fan and they they were just amazed of how the city of Buffalo and all the fans have just come and supported someone. And then, when they asked me, so what part of New York are you from? And I was like, no, I'm from El Paso, Texas originally. And they're like, what? You know, <laughs> they were in shock. <laughs> they were like, so you have no relationship to New York? I was like, none. And they're like, oh my gosh. And I was like, that's what makes it so much more special is that they've accepted me from another state, you know, and put me on that, that level. Like you said, I mean, it's a, like a semi-celebrity status that, you know, I've, I'm, I'm getting used to it and, and I love it. And, and it's, and it's cool. And I'll tell you what, I, I give it back. 
I will take every picture I need to take. I will sign whatever you want me to sign. I've, it took me three and a half months to reply to every message I received after the draft. Um, you know, I, I never turned down to speak to anybody. I mean, I, that's just my way of showing to give it back. Um, you know, the family, families who are going through the same situation as I am, they've reached out to me and here I am mailing a little poncho package, you know, a bracelet, some stickers or something that, you know, I just feel I got to give back. It's not going to stop me. My illness won't stop me from doing what poncho always did. And, uh, it, it, it just feels good, man. It really does. It, it, it feels, you know, the true definition of love is, 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 uh, is I'm living it. I yeah. really am. And my family sees it too. They, and they appreciate it. Well, I'll tell you, man, it's, it's really good that you are able to use your, you know, your celebrity status in a positive way. It really is. It's kind of a, two, right. like you said, it's a two way street and it's really good. And it's refreshing to hear about how you use it, how you take time to talk to other people and stuff like that. I'll tell you what, Pacho, every interview I have, I always end it the exact same way and you're no exception. So I'm going to do the same thing with you. I like to have this little mini <laughs> lightning round. Just going to ask you a small handful of like sort of random questions, not too much deep thought required, whatever pops in your mind, whatever feels good saying it, that'll be your answer. All right. Is that cool? Uh, that, that works with me. All right. When you're not watching football, we've talked pretty much about, you know, either being ill or football, this entire interview, when you're not watching football, <laughs> what's your favorite activity to do? Um, spend time with my kids in the backyard, throw that ball around. Um, that's, you know, uh, pretty much what I enjoy doing right now. I mean, my son's six and my daughter's two. They're at that age where they love being outside. And uh, I, I just love doing that. Um, I could say, too, I love watching WWE wrestling. I'm a huge wrestling nice. fan. Uh, I, can, I, I can watch that. I can watch replays on the WWE network all day. You know, <laughs> back in the old school WWF days. Yeah. I'll tell you <laughs> what. Sure. You're going to be on a future so the podcast. The kids are in bed network. You're going to be on a future podcast <laughs> and we're going to do nothing except talk wrestling. Now you've, you've Oh, been, I would love that. Me man. too. I'm, I've been a fan of that since I was like two years old. I mean, old school WWF. Yeah. That's I, a, I love that's that, a fun so. fact. I wish I knew before we started this. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll talk again about that. All right. So now you've been to a lot of cities. Okay. Not for games and, you know, just to visit, not counting Buffalo. Cause that, of course that would be the answer. What's your favorite city to visit? Um, you know, I would have to say uh, New Orleans was great. New Orleans was really fun. Um, you know, ever since they went through that tragedy with the hurricane, uh, you know, the and I'm pretty sure that people were already like this before that. But when I went, I mean, it was it was like a, a city of brotherly love straight up. Everywhere I went, it was like, welcome to our city. You know, glad you're here. What can we help you with? Um, obviously Bourbon Street, the nightlife was great. It was popping. Um, there was something always to do that. I was, I was never bored in New Orleans, um, real similar to Las Vegas. You can't be bored in Las Vegas. Um, but yeah, New Orleans was really fun. Uh, I, I'll gladly go back to New Orleans anytime. I can't wait for the bills to go back there, to be honest, because I'm definitely on the list. Yeah. So New Orleans, um, it was fun. That was great. Tough question here, I'm sure, because I know your first answer would be Jim Kelly. So not counting Jim Kelly, who's your personal favorite Buffalo Bills player ever after Jimbo? 
after Jimbo, Bruce Smith. Gotta be Bruce Smith, a big Bruce. <laughs> um, man, just dominated the field. I love seeing him, and um, I love seeing him in the Super Bowl when we played the Cowboys. You know, get after Troy Aikman, and you know, get Emmitt Smith, and uh, yeah, and just um, now Bruce. I mean, much love for him. He just uh, you know changed changed the whole de- the aspect of defense around. You know, just hard hitting, and um, you know. I wish Bruce was playing with, with Tom Brady, you know, where he could just take him out, you know, and <laughs> hit him one time for me. Yeah. I mean, Oh yeah. No, Bruce Smith. I mean, just, yeah, I got, I got to go with Bruce Smith. And you're right. After Jim Kelly, Jim Kelly's my, my first favorite. Right. All right. Second, last question here. If Twitter were to send you a note and say, listen, Pancho, we got a new policy. Now we're only going to allow you to follow one person on Twitter and one person only. Who would it be? Oh, man. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I Person or organization? <laughs> Anything you want. One Twitter uh, handle. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I'd follow the Buffalo Bills. I okay. Mean, no that's smart. No or butts. I mean, yeah, I follow them. The latest news. I mean, you know, just, you know, think of all the writers that contribute to the Bills. I mean, you get all the Bills news you need you know, um, mm-hmm. faster than the web, their own website uploads, you know, stories and things like that. Uh, I'd, I'd have to choose the Buffalo bills to follow if I only had one Twitter feed that I could do. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. No questions asked. Last question here. Again, the same question I ask everyone, you could have three dinner guests from any era dead or alive, three people. Who would you have? Oh my gosh. Macho man, Randy Savage. For sure. Okay. Um, I'd have to go with my uh, favorite female. You know, everybody, every guy has their favorite female, Salma Hayek. Um, and third, um, it's an interesting one. I was raised Mormon, so I would have the Prophet Joseph Smith on that table. That's another interesting fact a lot of people don't know. Yeah, Joseph Smith, founder of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Church. Joseph Smith, Salma Hayek, and Macho Man. Boy, that'd be an interesting table. That sure as hell would, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was raised, more, I was raised Mormon. So, um, you know, it'd be cool to, you know, just, you know, uh, talk to, obviously, the, the guy who founded the church, helped find the church. And Salma Hayek, I mean, what guy doesn't like Salma Hayek? Right. He's, and Macho Man, he was my favorite wrestler growing up. I mean, he was my he was my Superman man. I was never into Marvel characters or none of that. It was all Macho Man, Randy Savage. That's all I bled. So definitely, that's a that was a that's a very good question. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's who I would have. I would have those three on the table. Good stuff. That, that man. covers pretty much everything, you know. My my hobbies, my entertainment and it's important for people to get to know you i really yeah i wanted people to get to know you folks poncho villa follow him on twitter at poncho villa one there's also a gofundme page titled poncho power go support that look man thanks for your time i appreciate that i've become such Mm -hmm. a big fan of yours this was truly truly was it was an honor to have you on this podcast thanks thank you so much i appreciate it viva los bills All right, that's a wrap for this episode. One more time, big thank you to Pancho Billa for joining the show. 
What a great person. What a great fan, a great human being. The way he's persevered in life and it still remains so positive. I think he's an inspiration to everybody. He's an inspiration to Bills fans, players, pretty much anywhere. You, you know what? Forget just Bills fans. He's an inspiration to everybody. Really an honor, a thrill of mine to have him on the show. I'm so thankful for that. Coming up on the show next Tuesday, I have from The Athletic, Eric Turner of Cover One will join the show. We're talking Buffalo Bills. This guy is an analytical genius. He can break stuff down on film and do analytics on levels that most of us, including myself, cannot comprehend. So I'm really looking forward to having him on. Guys, if you ain't doing so already, I don't know what's the matter with you. Go to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. It's quick. It's easy. It's free. You just hit the subscribe button. Bam. New episodes automatically get sent to your phone, to your laptop. And I'll tell you what, if you don't got iTunes, you can go to iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere that future award-winning podcasts are heard. Have yourself a nice, safe weekend. Enjoy yourselves. I'll talk to you guys again on Tuesday. Peace out.